0: I'm not seeing anything on my end. It's like, oh,
1: okay. Hello, and welcome to the Major Film Reviewers Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nathan Major, joined by my co-host, Angel Roloff. Say hello, Angel.
0: Hello, Angel. Uh,
1: <laughs> the running gag that won't stop, even though it stopped being funny about three three episodes ago. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm,
0: I'm running nine into the
1: ground. Just. <laughs> like uh, set... <laughs> Are you are you sure you've never written for the Big Bang Theory in your life? What did you do to said... be insulted like this? Because what? you're certainly experienced at running jokes into the ground. I mean Sick Ben, oi, 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 lads, 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 etc. Um anyway, ho ho ho, etc. It's Christmas. Well, it's moving a... swiftly on like the snow in a blizzard. <laughs> yeah. It's the 14th of December, so it's near enough to Christmas, and we're feeling in a holly jolly mood, aren't we, Angel? Um, aren't we, Angel? Yeah. That's the spirit. We like Christmas here at the Major for Film Reviews podcast. Well, I do. I can't, I can't speak for my co-host.
0: <laughs> um, I, I'm very much a Halloween person. <laughs> Halloween the, is well. Samhain yeah. is is my my festival. Um, Christmas, Yule, Saturnalia.
1: It's mm, all right. You, <laughs> but I'm I'm, I'm a, a, for our listeners who don't know, um, mm. Angel is Dutch, Dutch, Italian, and um, I'm I'm aware of a a kind of. Tradition in mainland Europe, where they tend to open presents on the Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day, because I know that my f- Swedish friend does that. I was just wondering if that's a thing in um, the Germanic region, shall we say? <laughs> the Germanic <Ooh>. region. <clears throat>
0: um
1: ignoring the germanic
0: region um yeah we we have um Sinterklaas or Bacchusavond which is um like presents evening mm. um so there's Saint Nick's Day on the 6th of December which is an interesting festival very racist very colonizing um anyways <laughs> uh we do not have enough time to to unpack jolly jolly um, Holy yes, holly jolly, holly jolly. Holy jolly. Um, yeah, so the, the Eve of Saint Nick, we basically just give each other presents. It's mostly a, a children's festival. Um, I say festival. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? But yeah, it's it's a, like a children-themed, aimed at event. Um, so kids are the ones that get a gift. It's kind of like a, a Secret Santa thing where we... Um, Well, I don't know if they still do it, I hope they still do it, but part of the tradition is um, we kind of make our own um, sort of like, it's kind of like a gift hamper thing, Um, you get like a few bits and pieces, um, and you kind of make the gift box, it's Mm -hmm. like paper mache, very arts and craft, Um, and you just kind of give that to friends, family, um, predominantly children, it's usually kids gifting towards other kids and adults gifting kids um, and yeah there's like a, a parade usually with Saint Nick and his um, friends mm. yeah I'm going to call it what it is. His is they're, they're slaves um, but I think in, in recent years instead of it being um, black slaves it's just a all-round mix-up people that are his quote-unquote friends helping him um the the history behind saint nick is quite interesting
1: don't say we don't don't say we don't offer educational content on this podcast
0: (laughs) sorry i'm just gonna info dump on this
1: Um... (laughs) because it is worth kind of exploring because it's always interested me how different um countries celebrate christmas differently like i know in I think it's Spain. They tend to celebrate Christmas more on January the 6th, which is the last day of Christmas.
0: Yeah. I think that's
1: Spain. Yeah. Um, but obviously, there are certain countries that celebrate it more on Christmas Eve, like mm. the Swedes, as I've previously mentioned. I think that might be a, all over the Nordic regions, so Finland, Norway, and Denmark as well. Mm. Um, and obviously, there's different things in Germany and... Um, Hol- not holland the netherlands sorry such a cumbersome name for a country the netherlands you have a perfectly good name holland and
0: yeah
1: anyway, ne- never mind
0: <laughs> it's kind of like the mind- official name and then just what we call ourselves
1: mind you, i, I can I-, I can say nothing because i'm from england which is on the island of great britain which is a part of the country the united kingdom of great britain and northern ireland so you know yeah we, we can hardly talk about strange names and changing names and, you know, different things mm. because we're just as bad as we frequently are over in, in the UK. But one thing that doesn't change from country to country, perfect segue, is the country's love of festive films. And we've got a hamper full of festive films to talk about today. Um, I've been watching a lot over the last few weeks, posting Mm -hmm. about on my website, and I'm watching one again later. I think I'm going to watch Home Alone later. I haven't watched that in a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk about our very favourites today. And um, I'm hoping our lists differ. We haven't told each other our lists because we don't tend to. Otherwise, it would sound very pre-planned and very wetman-like. We like to go, the, thing
2: of like
1: oh, yeah. the reaction of, oh my god, you like that film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that most of my films are fairly uncontentious. Um, mm. there, there are no real curveballs in, in that. My one usual curveball is I sometimes add in um, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, which only I seem to remember. Have you ever seen, have you ever heard of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? i
0: d- is that the one where it's got Sylvester Stallone in it?
1: No, no, no. No, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer was a, an animated film that used to play on Cartoon Network every year when I was a kid. And it's about a grandma who goes out on Christmas Eve and takes a fruitcake out with her that has reindeer nip in it. And uh, it, distracts, it distracts Santa's reindeer, so they fly down and hit grandma, and then Santa sort of kidnaps grandma and takes her back to the north pole so she can recover and then grandma gets amnesia and doesn't remember who she is so like her grandson has to search for her eventually finds at the north pole because an elf finds his letter and then his evil cousin mel wants to take over the shop and sell it to some big department store and then they try and sue santa for running over grandma
0: That sounds pretty wild.
1: <laughs> it, it was. And, like, I seems, it is a real thing because it's on I, I, IMDb. I have a, a, a copy of it somewhere on my computer. Um, it is, it's an actual real thing. It's mental. And I remember looking forward to it every year on Cartoon Network. I, I would sit and watch, I would look through the TV listings every week in December to catch the first showing of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer again. And then um, I mentioned it on my Christmas playlist uploads that I did a few weeks ago. Because I, I seem to be like the only person I've ever spoken to who remembers this, who remembers this film. Do you, do, you, do you have any kind of weird childhood Christmas films that you, that you remember but nobody else really seems to?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, oh, I can't believe I forgot. There was um a Christmas special of Power Rangers, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Right. Oh, how how did I forget about that? But I'm not entirely sure if it was an actual film or like a standalone special TV episode. I'm going to have to Google that. Oh my God. How did I Because fig- I had that on tape and I loved it so much. I would watch that all year round. How did I forget about that? Because it's like my, my favourite character um, in Mike Morphing Power Rangers, apart from, you know, the, the Green Ranger. I just wanted to be the Green Ranger. Um, um, is it Alpha? I want to say Alpha or is it Alfalfa? Alfalfa Alpha? Alpha might have been a different film. I never actually watched the Power I just the remember the little robot going, I, 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 am just like, I love you. Right. hang on. is um, Christmas film?
1: Because it, it seems like everybody has kind of childhood memories, and every now and again, someone will offer up this kind of weird memory of a film that nobody seems to remember. But they can, like, describe vividly, and, like, I can see, like, full scenes of Grandma gotten over by a reindeer in my head. And I can describe them vividly. And nobody remembers anything about this film. Uh, And, like, there's been a a few examples of this. Like, I remember one of my exes um, once told me about a film which I then got, got them on DVD called Annabelle's Wish, where there's a cow that wants to be a reindeer. But they spent, like, the first few years that I knew them trying to convince me that this was a real thing. There was a film that Dolly Parton had a song in the soundtrack of, which is another weird thing. But there oh, was a God. there's a film where there's a cow that wants to be a reindeer, and that's the the crux of the Christmas film.
0: Okay, so I found it.
1: Right. It's,
0: yeah, it's uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Alpha's Magical Christmas, and it was the special for season two, and it was a non-canon director video. Christmas
1: special. One of the more memorable holiday specials, up there with the Star Wars holiday special, I'm sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Speaking
1: oh of which, I watched the Lego Star Wars holiday special um, in okay. November when it came out. That was that was quite funny. There was a scene in it where like Darth Maul is just just like the upper half of Darth Maul crawling around. It made me laugh. <laughs> Should I be laughing? <laughs> well, oh. um, I, I think it was an attempt to rectify the, the memory of the original Star Wars Holiday Special. They mm. um, did, did a decent job of it because it had that kind of signature Lego humour that seems to win so many hearts. I think I've seen like the Lego
0: movie and I don't really remember it.
1: It is a pretty memorable film, so I'm quite surprised that you don't remember it.
0: I mean, I remember, like, the, the Lego cat thing.
1: I, have, I, have, I think the one pervading memory, every time I I rewatch the Lego movie, I always get the song Everything is Awesome stuck in my head. Because I think it's, it is one of those songs that's designed to deliberately stick in your head. It is, yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, and I also really like the Lego Batman movie.
0: I haven't seen that one yet, but um i've I've heard things about it where apparently it's like um, to quote my friend, it is incredibly gay, it is so gay, oh very gay. you seen it yet? But, how have you not seen it? it is so gay um
1: <laughs> but, but but batman is an inherently gay character, an inherently harm he's, he's always
0: character. been very, very um I'm just trying to of a, a polite word
1: of, of saying it, but like especially he's... in in the Schumann film, yeah. Who can who can forget the bat cod piece from Batman and Robin? I, I, I would rather I
0: forget. Please and thanks, just like David Bowie in in Labyrinth, where it's just like I, I didn't wa- need to see that. <laughs> I watched Labyrinth for the first
1: time last week. Last week, I I, I not watched it until last week. But um, I have now, and there will be a review in my new book coming out in the new year. plug up, plug-o, please buy my books. Um, That will be in there, along with uh, a scathing takedown of The Conjuring, which I thoroughly did not like. And I also watched Countdown last night, because it was my fiancé's birthday, and he wanted to choose the film, and he chose Countdown which is its not a feature-length adaptation of the British game show Countdown. In fact, in, in hindsight, I think I would have rather watched an hour and a half of Countdown, the TV show, than an hour and a half of Countdown, the film. But those will be in the book, and the Christmas stuff will be on my website. So we shall get on with the Christmas stuff, because Christmas is great. Isn't it, Angel?
0: Don't make me lie.
1: Isn't it, Angel? <laughs> Please don't make me lie.
0: <laughs> you, you even have a Christmasy name. I I mean it's it's all seasons <laughs> Christmas I, just, I mean I guess. <laughs> I mean having said that I do have a very long list of because I'd I'd compiled a list of like all of the Christmas films that A I remember and B that I actually enjoyed and it's I'm surprised at how many I've got on here. I'm just like, oh, I'm not that big of a Grinch when it comes to Christmas films. After all, there is something I it's I I'm not opposed to the warm and fuzziness of films. I mean, that's kind of why I'm a bit of a Disney brat, but like there's something of a theme with with my Christmas films, I think.
1: This was something that I've talked about in the last few reviews that I've done, is that we tend to give more slack to Christmas films because we want that warm and fuzzy feeling by the end, which is why I think Christmas films in particular hold a special place in our heart because most of them... Tend to be feel good films that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that we want when we're about three glasses deep into mulled wine and full of Christmas pudding, and um, um, which is, is also why quite a lot of them tend to be not as challenging as other films. That's something that I watch more Christmas films is they tend to be more um, popcorn film than something that would challenge you. There are some differences, of course. There are some Christmas films that I would say hold up alongside any film ever, along with my um, top pick for top Christmas film, which is in my personal top 25 films of all time. But we'll get to that later. Um, but because of their nature, we tend to kind of, they tend to have more positive Yeah in our brains, I think, specifically towards Christmas films, that we don't tend to give other films.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's quite a... Um, I don't know, it's like for, for the season as well, because things are so incredibly cold and so incredibly dark, you kind of need Christmas films to have that little bit of a serotonin boost. Yeah. You need something that is comforting, that will actually... Give you some form of hope and, you know, a sense of happiness and joy. That thing of. I remember going community to,
1: and camaraderie. I remember going to watch Last Christmas last last year at the mm. cinema, and I, I remember thinking at the end, I really enjoyed it. But had that film been about any other season apart from Christmas, had that been, had that had the same story? But not about Christmas. I would have hated it because of its sugary nature and because of how kind of um, contrived it was. But because it was Christmas and it had the, the kind of typical Christmas trappings and it was a, a nice story and it really kind of made your heart swell. I gave it a pass and I really enjoyed it because of that. But had it been been like a Valentine's Day film, had it been based around Valentine's Day, I would have positively hated that film. But because it was a Christmas film, I enjoyed it. Just
0: out of curiosity, are we going to do um, a Christmas film special maybe? Because I wouldn't be mad at skipping that because I am struggling with... Any kind of Valentine's films I enjoy.
1: (laughs) We won't be doing a Valentine's special, no.
0: God, thank you. (laughs) Because if there's one thing that I just don't. I just. I know I'm very open about being a Grinch towards Christmas, but Valentine's Day is something else. I quite agree. I am. It just all oh, jingle bells and like i will put on a christmas sweater if anyone's got a spare one but valentine's day i'm just like no I- <laughs> <laughs> i'm a grinch with christmas I, 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 I am something else with valentine's day <laughs> if that's one festival gonna- yeah. i dislike more than christmas as well Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, Christmas is not my, my most disliked
1: festivity of the year. I have a curious feeling that Valentine's Day is, beca- is what it is because of greeting cards companies. Yeah. Because they're like some of the most sly retailers on the market. Like all they have to do is make a card and people do the rest and then it be- then it becomes its own thing.
0: Yeah, because it's, I, it's I'm very much. There, there I'm seems willing. to be a lot of pressure for couples to like do the whole thing of like get cards, get flowers, and get gifts, propose, go on holidays, and just spend money they don't really have on something that you should be doing any time of the year. It, it it's one of those things where I I don't fully know if it's just. A me thing or like a neurodivergent thing but like one of the reasons why I dislike Christmas so much is because of how incredibly capitalistic it's gotten mm-hmm. where people feel so awful not being able to give their loved ones the gifts that they feel that they deserve or need or want and I know this year especially because people are in in lockdowns and mm-hmm you know people are having to be socially distant and everything there's a lot of parents that i know that are really worried for their kids that they're not going to be able to give the kids a good christmas and it's just how far have we gone from just christmas being family orientated to i need to get presents and i need to host an incredible event and It's very keeping up with the Joneses kind of feeling.
1: I uh, I, I. And that I, I don't
0: like about yeah. Christmas.
1: <laughs> the the more the more, I kind of get the more the older I get, the more I look forward more to seeing my family, and I look forward more to the Christmas dinner. Now that's that's my highlight of, of Christmas because it's like a, it's, it's a very rare thing, especially now that I've moved away. Because when I go back at Christmas, it'll be the first time I've seen my parents in two months. It'll yeah. be it'll be really nice to spend Christmas with them and have Christmas dinner. And also I'll get to see my grandparents who I haven't seen since I moved. I don't think I've seen my nana and granddad. Yeah. grandma. So um, that'll be nice. And that is what I look forward to more. And I, I've also found that I look forward to seeing other people opening presents I bought them than opening my own presents. Yeah.
0: I think one of the reasons why I'd, I prefer having Christmas over um, in Italy is because of it's still pretty much family-orientated over there where it is just, you know, there's Christmas mass and, you know, you open your presents up in, in the morning or whenever you've got time, whenever you want to kind of thing. It's pretty relaxed. And then it's just food. <laughs> it's just very much a thing of you're there to spend time with your family Getting to know them, being in their company,
1: enjoying yeah. the, yeah, the like between, things. Christmas, <laughs> between Christmas and New Year is just a never-ending parade of food, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because when I was when I was at home last year, we did a. Obviously, we had our Christmas dinner on Christmas Day, and then we'd have a kind of. Uh, buffet kind of dinner on boxing day where we'd have a few family round and things like that and we'd we'd use it the rest of the turkey and we'd have sausage rolls and pot pies and then on the new year's day we'd have another sit down dinner with like another big spread and then we'd have another buffet on new year's day mm-hmm. so and even like a few times between them we've had a meal on like the 27th or the 28th when my dad used to work because he used to work christmas day so sometimes Um, we'd have a Christmas dinner on like the 27th as well. So dad could have like a a full Christmas where he had a day off. Yeah. So like for me, those are the times that I look forward to. Obviously I appreciate the presents and everything because that's that's always nice when people buy you things they've put thought into and and Mm kind of things that you want, which is always nice. I I think it, it would also be nice it's a lot nicer for couples with children as well. I understand because obviously the magic, the magic returns when you've got kids because kind of the Santa Claus becomes real again for the kids. And it's, and that, that's nice because obviously I've got two goddaughters and my, another one of my best friends had a kid a few months ago. So I've kind of gotten them presents that they, they really like. And um, it's just, it's nice to know that, that like we've, they they're still looking forward to it as much as we did when we were kids. And yeah. that's the like nice, nice bit mm. uh, of, of growing older with Christmas is that you can you can see young people mm. enjoy it like you did.
0: Yeah, because for me, um, I always preferred, like I said, the Christmas, spending Christmas in Italy than I did um, like in Britain with my British family, because the British family was very hmm, shallow, materialistic. There there was always that competition between my cousins and I where it's just like, oh, what did you get? And I'd be just like, well, i got pyjamas and socks oh, well, I got a new DVD player and all this fancy stuff that costs an absolute fortune. And I'm just like, I really like my pyjamas. I really like my socks. Like, look, it's got a cute pattern. <laughs> and I'm I'm very simple. Like, buy me socks and I am happy. I am one of those people where it's just like, you've got a £5 voucher? Great. I I'm, I'm grateful. Um, but other people just like, oh my god, a gift card! You didn't put any thought into that, and I'm just like, but they had to pick the card out and and just like, nah
1: <laughs> I I absolutely. The older I get, the more <laughs> I enjoy buying presents for people because cause mm. I'll, I'll I'll kind of it'll sometimes be something I think of year round. Like mm. I'll see I I'll, I'll have this idea in like. January and then when it comes to December this idea is festered for a whole year and I finally bought it and it sat under the tree and I can't wait for them to open it because I put so much thought into it. One of my favourite things I ever did, this wasn't Christmas, it was a birthday, but when my dad turned 60 a few years ago, he, he won't thank me for, for saying that um, for the whole welter here, but never mind. When my dad turned 60 a few years back I kind of compiled in secret this box of things from the day he was born so I got like what was number one in the charts I got it on a seven inch vinyl I got um the film that was number one in the box office the year he was born a coin from the year he was born uh um, like a match day program from a rugby team that he liked from the year I was from the year he was born and I, and, and then I typed up a document where it was like all of the events that happened in 1958 when he was born And I put it all in a gold box and, like, gave it to him on his birthday. And, like, Mm. he he said that that's the best gift that he's ever gotten. And that was, like, that made all the effort worth it for me. Yeah, because it was highly
0: personalised and very well thought of. You know, you put a lot of time and effort into that, getting things that you know that he enjoys.
1: And it was a lot of research, too. I mean, he didn't... A lot of time I don't don't think he necessarily appreciated being reminded how old he was especially when i
0: like
1: when i researched what was number one on his birthday i discovered that the the singles charts were only active for three years by the time he was born so had he been born like five years earlier i wouldn't have been able to find what the number one single was because there wasn't a chart but um and what was number one on his birthday was connie francis which he really didn't like because connie francis is seen as like this like pre-war era singer so she's like really
0: uh, so it was very much
1: uh, a reminder of his age and very much so yeah <laughs> hello everyone just me from the future as is relative to this podcast recording i mean i'm not in the future of you're listening to it i'm actually in the past but anyway There were some technical interruptions during our podcast recording, as after all that makes sense. We were interrupted for six months' worth of podcast recording, and in this the final recording of the series we were interrupted a grand total of three times, all for deliveries. So this is me just bridging a gap between one interruption and the resumation of the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you will continue to enjoy it, and I will pop up Bridging the gap again, twice more. Enjoy the show. Bye bye. Welcome back to the Major Film Reviews podcast. Sorry for those um, technical gremlins there, um, but mind you, gremlins are appropriate at being Christmas and all. Um, yes, I-, I-, I haven't watched Gremlins. I'm going to though, and I'm, re- I'm going to watch it in the next week and review it for my website. So keep an eye out for that, and keep an eye out for all the reviews I have come up to Christmas. I've um, managed to finalize my top. 10 which is now a top five because 2020 um much earlier than i usually have um so that's and i need to write it yet though and i'm also doing a a second annual major film reviews awards which um have been considerably difficult this year so i've, I've opened it up to every film i reviewed which um here's a little side note for how my reviewing works is that i tend to make a note of every film i go and watch in the cinema Um, So I have on on my phone notes of every film I have watched from the last three years. Um, I didn't carry that habit over into everything that I've reviewed um, during Corona times. So I've completely lost track of everything that I've reviewed. So I'm going to have to go through my entire website again. Through I've posted nearly 160 times this year. So I'm going to have to go through 160 posts to get a list of the films I've reviewed in order to do awards. So I hope those that read my stuff appreciate the effort I go to for that.
0: Um, I didn't realise it was so many, because I know like, with you reviewing previous films, sort of like revisiting films, watching films that you've not seen yet,
1: 160, that's... I'm impressed. Um, I, I was... My awards post from last year was my 200th post, and I'm now on 366. So no, well, that's 166 in, in the year. It'll yeah. probably be close to 170 by the time I, or maybe even more by the time the year's out. Mm. So, even though the, the cinemas have been closed, I, I have not closed myself the business. I've carried on, because had yeah. I not had films to review and stuff to watch, I would have gone insane many months ago. Mm. Um, but it's, I, I watched 100 films in the cinema last year, so there, there was a lot to choose from in terms of the top 10. Um, I, I think my list was about 40 by the time they closed for the second time. So, and uh, some of those re releases, especially after the first reopening. So, like all of my top five from the first quarter of the year which is kind of reflective of the year itself, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Although with um, things like Amazon Prime and Netflix originals and, you know, there's a, a few other streaming services that have been doing originals. Yeah. It's not been as quiet as I think we were kind of worried
1: it could be at the beginning of the year. Definitely not, but I, it does worry me, because I am considerably worse at keeping up with streaming than I am with keeping up with cinema releases, because yeah. I, I haven't watched most of the major streaming releases. Um, I haven't watched Enola Holmes, which I would have watched if it was in the cinema, but yeah. that's, that's the way that film viewing is going to go in the next few years, especially over the next year or so, because most releases are heading to st- streaming as well as in the cinemas which i think the cinema has to catch up with soon and um not work so much as pushing back against it as working with it yeah, yeah that's the only way they're going to survive at this rate sadly
0: it's just um, having to adapt and just yeah move along with the times as best as possible I mean, I, one of the reasons why I keep fighting for more subtitle screenings is so that more um, people that need subtitles can actually access films. And it's just one of those things of you could get a larger income mm. if and you I, subtitled it,
1: because that's a lot of people that they're missing out on. I mean, you should work with the resources you have. Mm-hmm. Mm. Times was in in years past that the cinema was the only place you could see the new you could see new films. Yeah. Now that's changed, and cinemas can't pretend that it's still the only place to see films anymore. Especially the as people's home home media, what the thing you watch it on, as TVs get bigger, the the need for cinemas gets smaller because we can watch all the new films at home. Our our screen's big enough to enjoy it. Mm. We've got. 4K Blu-ray players, you know, so c- cinema has to work with streaming as opposed to work against it. Otherwise it's going to go the way the Dodo within a few years. And that'd be really sad because I, I think the thing is, even if the option is there to watch a film at home, I think a lot of people would still use the cinema if the choice was there. And if, yes. if it was more accessible, then, sure. then people would choose to go to the cinema, but because they're not being given the choice, you're, you're taking opportunity away from them. It's like you say, when it comes to subtitled or audio-described films, that's a feature that every Netflix film has. That's a feature that every Amazon Prime thing has. It's not a feature of every cinema film. So you're taking that choice away from people. So people are forced to go to Netflix and Amazon Prime because they can't get it from
0: So one of the things that I really like about the cinema is is the whole experience of it of like meeting your friends and you know like waiting in the lobby being all excited to you know see the film and you know the whole waiting to buy the popcorn and everything and for me personally lack of subtitles affects how I view the film and it's also the way that things cost at the moment things have so incredibly expensive it's one of those things of if i want to go to the cinema i have to try and coordinate with my friends if they've got time on like that one day a week to see that one film that's subtitled if it's any good and if it's actually an adult film because majority of the subtitled films are geared towards children i mean I, it's I, always a I really wager. odd time where it's like Monday at like 12 o'clock and it's just yeah. Like i free on Monday
1: <laughs> I would wager that most people feel the same about going to the cinema not the subtitle thing because that's a, yeah, that's yeah. a thing but um, about going to the cinema but one is, thing is that puts them off is a, it's a, the expense because why would I pay £15 for me and my partner to go to the cinema when I, I could pay £7 pound a month, what? to well, sorry, what is it now? £9 pound a month for Netflix to watch something on there. And I could go to the shops and get a bag of sweets for a quid and right. not have to spend another fiver at the cinema. And also I can watch this film whenever I want and not have to go to the cinema at like 8 o'clock at night when the only screening is, and by the time I get out, it's 11 o'clock. That's, that's something that cinemas are way behind on, is, is that their, their op- window of opportunity is far too small Mm. Which is even it's even truer for the smaller releases that people are still interested in, but they don't go to because you put them on at like nine o'clock on a night when nobody's nobody wants to go go to the cinema to start a film unless it's like a new release like mm. at, at that time. Like I don't even like starting a movie at home after nine o'clock, let alone yeah. going to the cinema. I mean, there's there's two exceptions that I can think of to that, and
0: that's. Star Wars, midnight release. Yeah. That's, that is just an event in and of itself.
1: Well, that's, well, like, that's what I see, the new release at midnight, and yeah. that's different.
0: <laughs> uh. Because like, that's part of the, the fandom, isn't it? Just like, Yeah. Uh, with other people that are really engrossed in that fandom, being like, oh, my God, let's see what, what this film brings. And the other um, exception is um, BTS, when they release a cinema release, because, again, it's that fandom thing of... Yeah, yeah. God, I didn't know you liked BTS, and okay, let's see what the lads have gone up to, and you know, apparently this is going to happen, and we've heard this rumour, and, like, ARMY as will make an absolute event out of it. There's so many stories where people have, like, made little gift bags to give to other fans at the cinema. It's, like, complete and utter strangers just being like, hey, ARMY, here's a gift bag, just because we like the same thing,
1: and... You just dis- you dis- <laughs> You're just describing BTS as the lads has put this image in my head of BTS at a spoon somewhere. <laughs> I mean,
0: I would put it bastard, to be honest. Like, I'd 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 take I'd I'd take him to like maybe not spoons because you know capitalism um <laughs> but i'd take him to a local pub <laughs> and be like
1: yeah have
0: a pint of Guinness."
1: <laughs> anyway we have gone very far off topic as we usually yes. do yes um, <laughs> we're I'd sp- take them to a local pub for a christmas meal <laughs> yes, it christmas dinner. It christmas yeah christmas dinner i found That's out awesome. a little kind of factoid recently this isn't about korea but it's about japan so it's about it east asian culture mm-hmm. that um Apparently KFC is a really popular Christmas Eve meal in Japan. It's so popular now that you have to order it weeks in advance. Were you aware of this at all?
0: I don't think I was. No. That's so, fascinating. Yeah. I think that I'm, I'm aware that um KFC and McDonald's and other places they do like Christmas specials.
1: The, um, the thing so, is, the origin of it comes down to capitalism, as most things do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the origin was that there was a, a promotional campaign in Japan one Christmas that said eating KFC on Christmas Eve was really popular in America. So Japanese families kind of latched on onto this and thought, right, we're going to make it a tradition too. To the point which now X amount of years later, you now have to order it weeks in advance because it's so popular
0: i know in in um, japan you can get married in mcdonald's
1: i mean that doesn't surprise because japan <laughs> place uh, there's, 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 there seems to be this kind of un- underlying weirdness to most japanese culture that i really find endearing because they so it's so kind of nice because it's I mean, not all of it is innocent weirdness, I must say, because some of it is mm-hmm. about schoolgirls on subway trains. But um, there's, there's also this kind of underlying weirdness that's kind of wholesome, too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Again, going back to the warmth. Yeah, it where it's just like, this is really so sweet and wholesome. Just faith in humanity somewhat restored.
1: <laughs> and again, Japan is somewhere that I've always wanted to go, because I've always really like the idea of japan and tokyo and things like that and it just looks really nice and the people seem nice and friendly and but, anyway off topic once again as mm. we all are that we should put that on a t-shirt yeah <laughs> moving swiftly on <laughs> the, the part, that's when tangents galore yeah uh, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty yes um christmas films yes
0: so shall we yeah. do our top five first, or shall we quickly go let's, through um, let's, the like films?
1: Let's go in, in order. So we'll start with some um, honourable mentions, and then we'll go like I say my fifth, you'll say your fifth, and we'll go down the list and talk about them. Yes. So have you got any honourable mentions that doesn't that don't make the list but almost did?
0: Um, the ones that almost did. Um, there's a few actually. But I'm going to go with, like, my top one. one. And that's um the Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas special.
1: Oh. Oh, wow. I've because forgotten. Beauty and
0: the Beast is one of my favourite films. And they did a Christmas. And I'm not entirely sure if I actually prefer the Christmas version <laughs> over the actual film. Because <laughs> it's, uh. it's just... It's Beauty and the Beast. I just and, you know, warm fuzzies of just, like, Adam is literally a beast, and he is such a grump, and I relate to him because, grr, Christmas. And then Belle is just so wholesome, and optimistic, and hopeful, and so naive. And i just like, look, the magic of Christmas, and they get along. It's
1: It's one of those direct-to-DVD Disney sequels that kind of cut corners in every department and it shows, isn't it? It's... Cut
0: corners. It had Tim Curry in it! How dare you!
1: Having <laughs> I mean, mean, Tim Curry in it is, is not a massive oh my
0: God. We go back to Tim Curry again! He's just... How many of my favourite films is he in? I'm going to have to do a list on my own. Anyway, it's moving swiftly on. <laughs> I think you were trying to say something. Any other honourable mentions? Um, Yeah. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is that crossover film. Cool. Yep, mm-hmm. Halloween and Christmas. Perfect. Um, the Snowman. Animated. The, well, the, it's, a, it's an animated short. It's like 27 yeah. minutes. So it's, is it a film? It's is melancholy, isn't it? It's, it's really
1: melancholy.
0: Yeah, but it's so beautiful. So beautiful. I love the artwork and just, you know, walking in the air.
1: But Music. on a negative note, it did give us Alan Jones, so I will never forgive it. <laughs> I mean, it's a negative to you. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely song, but he didn't sing it in the film anyway, so. Yeah it was another one called peter i think it was called peter hmm. yeah let's go with peter
0: Yeah, but Any sticking mo- with names um another one of an honorable mention for me is arthur christmas
1: oh i love arthur christmas again
0: animated love
1: yeah. it and it's, it's not only animated but it's it's a really good studio too because was sure. that an, was that an admin one it was wasn't it
0: I think it was, yeah. I didn't yeah, write that. Well,
1: it. Was, it, was an, it was an Adam co production, I think. Mm-hmm. With an, an American sh- studio. And um yeah, it's so lovely. Um mm-hmm. I think After Christmas is probably it, my honourable mentions. It's one it's one of those that I always forget every year exists and then like it pops up on my recommendations around Christmas time. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a film that exists and that I really like. Let's watch it's, that again. Yeah, After
0: Christmas is a Christmas staple. It's just one of those Christmas films where you kind of have to watch it. Um, Another one that I've added to my must-watch repeatedly um, during this time of the year is um, Klaus? 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 Klaus. I I love Klaus. Yeah. It is actually pronounced Klaus. Okay, because my brain is just like, it's Klaus, but, dude, is it pronounced Klaus? Nah. (laughs) And then it's just like, Klaus? Klaus? Huh? What? Um, I've I've always said it as That's how it's spelled. Yeah. And then there's there's um, Santa Claus with...
1: What's are his name? Talking, are we talking Tim Allen or Dudley yes. Moore here? Tim, um, Moore. Tim Allen.
0: It's just... I, I just... <laughs> He's so just much. so grumpy and just like, I don't want to do Christmas. And yet, you know,
1: warm fuzzies just... My, uh, my honourable mentions would be quite similar. I think After Christmas would be one that you just reminded me of. Flouse as well, because I watched that last year and I just fell in love with it because the animation is so beautiful and the oh. stories are nice. Um, yeah. The Grinch is one for me, which um, I, I kind of see that a lot of Christmas films are perfectly imperfect. So mm. there are things about The Grinch that make it like imperfect, but I still love it because of it's kind of realization of the Doctor Seuss world was yeah. so well for the,
0: the recent animated one or the Jim Carrey,
1: the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, that's
0: that's actually yeah. my top five.
1: <laughs> I um I found the um the, the Benedict Cumberbatch one to be very sterile and uninspired.
0: Sterile.
1: Wow, what a word! It was a. It was very. Designed by committee, it didn't have that whimsical feel that Dr. Seuss needs to, to wear. I've not actually watched the animated one yet. It's on Netflix now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen it and
1: I've almost clicked on it and then I watched the Jim Carrey version. But, but I, w- I would recommend you watch <laughs> the one instead. And, 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 and for that matter, the original 60s shot as well, because that's yeah. also very good. Then there's also what was I think Nightmare Before Christmas as well, which you've already mentioned. Um, Batman Returns—that's a Christmas film. It is. Also, Die
0: Hard. That is a Christmas film. I watched
1: it recently. Die Hard
0: is in my top five. See, I, I watched Die Hard recently because there's the whole argument thing of like, oh, but it's an action film. It can't be a Christmas film. Try and like. Pick it apart. What is it? It's a guy that's trying to go home for Christmas. The only reason he is in L.A. is because he's trying to go home for Christmas to be with his family for Christmas. The purpose of him being there is Christmas. It is a Christmas film.
1: Hello, just me again. We were interrupted a second time here by my doorbell this time and not angels. So this is me bridging another gap from the future, but also the past. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, back to the back to the Christmas films.
0: So let's get on We're to our list about Die Hard. I remember that.
1: Yes, Die Hard. Die Hard. We, we will get to that because it's, it's on my list, so we can talk more on that later. I actually had a more difficult. Is it a Christmas film? Is it not? Um, one. Watch Did you see my review of In Bruges this week?
0: I haven't. I want to read that because I, I do love In Bruges. So, I, so I'm.
1: Trying... You, so you have seen it then.
0: I have seen it. I oh, good.
1: It. Right, so, back, <laughs> so my um, correspondent, hello, Ian, by the way, um, sends sent me, sent me films to review. And um, he sent me this thing. It was a Christmas film. And um, I've, I don't think I agree with him. I think it's a Christmas-adjacent a, a Christmas film. It happened that Christmas. Which but it could be make set at any point. Exactly, if it
0: went over for like Valentine's or Easter
1: or just a random day, it'd work. I think there are certain parts of the plot where it's cold and, and obviously the fog adds to it, so it has to be at a cold time. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily have to be Christmas. It could be in January and the plot would be the same. Yeah, it
0: could have been like um, a New Year's Eve. As I
1: said in, As I said in that review, a Christmas film doesn't just have to be set at Christmas. It has to be... A film in which Christmas affects the plot, or it has to be a film where if you take Christmas out of it, either the film wouldn't work or it wouldn't work as well. Because I I fully accept that Die Hard would work if it wasn't at Christmas, but it would, but not in its current form. It would, it would lose something.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
1: like John McLean could be going home during the summer. But because he's going home for Christmas, it has more of an emotional impact. Yeah. That's the crux that makes it a Christmas film because Christmas affects the plot.
0: But it's also the thing of, like, he doesn't have any real purpose to just sort of visit randomly during the summer. Mm. Whereas going home for Christmas, like I said, it's that that deeper emotional value thing. It's it's a higher purpose. It's
1: something he needs to go home for, for Christmas. I think there's a defined difference between a Christmas adjacent film, something that happens at Christmas, and a Christmas film. Another good example is Iron Man 3. Part of that happens at Christmas, but you'd be very hard-pushed to call Iron Man 3 a Christmas film. Because that's something that could happen just throughout. It could could work just as well on any day of the year. Mm. A Christmas film can only work at Christmas. There are some films that could work if they're not at Christmas, but not as well. Like, Home Alone. Home home Alone could work if they were going on a summer holiday and they forgot him. But because it's Christmas, it adds to the emotional impact. Yeah.
0: Especially when he's talking to his neighbour and it's the whole thing of, like, oh, well, you know, because his neighbour had fallen out with his son. It's just like, well, it's Christmas. Like, just talk to him. Just invite him round and just get it over and done with, kind of thing. So for the Christmas setting, that advice kind of make sense
1: yeah there there is a because the thing with a christmas film is there is no concrete definitive edition of what is and isn't so i think different people have different ideas as to what it is to some people a film that that just happens around christmas is a a christmas film whereas Mm -hmm. to me it has to be something a lot more substantial to make it a christmas film
0: like this nightmare before christmas the reason why that's a halloween film and a christmas film is because it's set during both periods and both periods are very integral
1: to the storyline yeah it's not just that it happens at halloween and christmas it's that halloween and christmas both have an impact on the story Mm. it's like it's got a a purpose yeah and uh and like there's different christmas settings in uh, batman returns as well which is a kind of a contentious one too, I'll concede that that's a Christmas film but there are parts to that that make it a Christmas film there's another one that um, Ian, my friend who sends me the films, said um, that he thought First Blood was a Christmas film because there's uh, um, Christmas decorations up in the in the police station which, like, obviously that's just Christmas, Christmas adjacent to me, that's happening at Christmas it's, again, First Blood with- would work mm. in any time of the year
0: so what are your opinions on Edward Scissorhands being classed as a, a Christmas film
1: I've never seen Edward Scissorhands so I don't know is my honest answer to that uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest Tim Burton fan so I've, I've never been in the rush to see what are defined as his classic films I've, I've watched his Batman films because I'm a Batman fan mm. um, Watch Sweeney Todd because I really like the musical. I think he did a good job of that. Mm. But apart from that, I've never been in any mad rush to see any of Tim Burton films. Mm. I think his his um his visual style, while it is striking and somewhat original, well, not, not really even original. It's it's just very repetitive once you've seen more than one mm. of his films. It's it's something stops being odd when it when it, it over and over again.
2: Mm. Yeah, there, it's are, like his
1: there, are, there are only so many times I can watch Johnny Depp pretend to be a weirdo. Is my <laughs> point. I am wounded. But I also see your point. <laughs> it's a bit like how Captain Jack Sparrow lost his shine after a... F-
0: yeah, that got a bit repetitive. I mean, how once many times are there? Once, like
1: you've five, seen, like once you've seen that five times, it's yeah. like you know we 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 already know what it's like. It's it, it's something that that works. It works more the less you use it. Less is mm. more. Yeah,
0: yeah. Keep it minimalist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or keep it simple, stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A I S S. going through a list, it's like which ones have I mentioned? Because I've got let's, a few of that have, like, the exclamation marks next to where it's just like, yes, these films, I love them. But, like, that there's other films that
1: I kind of want to mention,
0: which is, like...
1: Let's I get on to our lists, then. So, yeah. I shall start us off with my number five. And my number five is one that's probably on a lot of people's number fives list, because it's one that... Every, every, well, I say everybody. It's, it's a... I've realised it's a lot more contentious than I thought it was. My number five is Elf. I thought, when I I first kind of mooted the point of doing Christmas films, that Elf was one of those films that's universally beloved and everyone loves it. But apparently, not so much. And I think a lot of that is to do with Will Ferrell, which, to be fair, I I can understand your... Um, some people not being fond of Will Ferrell, but I love Elf. Elf is I'm a I get the arguments about Will Ferrell. His his shtick is very repetitive, mm-hmm. but it's what is one of those things where when it works, it really works, and when it doesn't work, it's excruciating to watch. It,
0: it kind of does work for Elf. It's not I'm I'm one of those people where it's just like I'm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think I, Elf I, is I, the so, only so reason that, I why I watch Elf is Zoe Deschanel That's that's basically it, I think. I think Elf is the only thing that I really remember apart from eh, it's crazy. Like, yeah. You know, just buddy shouting about Santa Claus. It's it's just a
1: bit too loud and obnoxious for my loud and obnoxious is just the right side of endearing to me in it's just endearing enough than Will Ferrell's usual shouting and screaming. Mm. Mm. A, I think it toes so a very... There is fine an line. innocent, wholesome quality to Buddy,
0: and it's not that bad, but I'm, I'm one of
1: those people where it's just like, no, thanks. I think it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of those films that toes a very fine line between yeah. being too much of Will Ferrell's normal act, but it manages to mix in just the right amount of Christmas sentimentality. Hmm. There's just just the right amount of it in there to make the amount of Will Ferrell bearable. Like I think if a... it was
0: if it was any other setting,
1: it'd be an awful film. But it's the Christmas
0: yeah. element like, that kind of
1: it's what I said about Last it's just... Christmas. It's because it's Christmas. It's endearing, and yeah. I think the biggest The biggest thing that endears Buddy to me is that it's that first scene in New York when he arrives and he's he's like he's waving at the guy that's trying to hail a taxi and like goes he goes into that cafe with the neon sign that says World's Greatest Cup of Coffee and just says, Congratulations, you did it and and like eating the chewing gum off the railings and it's that it's those it's those kind of scenes that really endear me to him more than the kind of The, the, the later scenes, right, it can be a bit too, too much. But yeah. because of the Christmas setting, that it works.
0: It's kind of like um, diluted Ribena, not, not diluted um, Ribena cordial, even. Where it's just like in the packet, it's absolutely amazing. But when you get it um, in the cordial itself, and you have to make it at home, it's mm. either too strong or too weak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think the other the other aspect that makes yeah. it work, and this is something that I'll be talking about again later, is mm. there's a really good straight man performance that juxtaposes Buddy in the form of James Caan and, like, Buddy's dad. Mm. Because he kind of, he grounds the film to an extent. So his his kind of grumpy, grinchy exterior makes Buddy more palatable.
0: Yeah. And the, the, I think that's the, why that it was... A- of like how can you be his dad yeah (laughs) he's just sunshine and gumdrops and sugar overload
1: and there's you (laughs) but it's not just james khan in that situation it's like it's will ferrell being the odd one out like he he's the odd one and everyone else is the straight man whereas i think in a lot of will ferrell um vehicles everyone is the odd one and there's no straight man to, to make it seem odd yeah. So the, the comedy works because Will Ferrell is being weird as Buddy the Elf, and everybody else around him can react to it. Com- yeah. Comedy. I can't remember who said that comedy is in the reaction, but um, but that is kind of its basest form. Is that mm-hmm. Buddy Buddy in the film are funny because Buddy is being weird and other people are reacting to it. If everyone in New York was just like Buddy, that film would be really irritating because it'd just be everybody being a weirdo and no, nobody around to kind of point out how stupid it is. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the, that's the kind of basis for comedy in the film. Yeah. So what do you have as your number five?
0: Um, I, I kind of have a list where it's, it's not entirely in, I have a number one, mm-hmm. very much a number one. And then it's, Four, not quite in any order. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna go with the one that's like last on the list, and that's The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's already done already. Yeah, because for for me, it's that scene where he's he's in the cave and he's going through his journal, where it's just like self-loathing, self-loathing. <laughs> oh, I've got dinner with myself. I can't miss that again. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is me. That is. i relate way too much to the cringe (laughs) i was just like i'm grumpy and i'm just like it's too bright it's too noisy i don't know what to wear nothing fits and i just don't like people
1: (laughs) i absolutely i absolutely love that scene where he's picking out outfits to go to the to the uno and he, he kind of Comes out in everything and just tosses it aside. It comes out in hose and then he's like modelling it to <laughs> <in> the camera. they <laughs> sticking his ass out and then it's just, that's it, I'm not going. The end.
0: Yeah, and then there's like the dog just sitting there reacting and I swear that's Adric. That's my cat just watching me trying to get dressed because he's, he's a bit of a perv like that. I'm just go, okay. <sighs> oh. but, uh, and it's just I guess- like, I don't know what to wear and he's just like,
1: there are, oh, there, are really few, there are a few um, there are a few aspects as to why the Grinch works in a lot of ways as a few aspects as to how Elf works and the first one is because yeah. of Jim Carrey's performance. It's, it's Jim, Jim Carrey it absolutely rubbish. carries. That film. <laughs> he he carries that film. It's it's an uh, it's amazing what he does under all of that prosthetic. Me again for the final time for the final pick up of this the final episode of this series just to bridge another gap we were interrupted again by my doorbell again that you heard briefly because i couldn't quite cut it all off but without cutting off my sentence so this is me saying um enjoy the rest of the episode see you at the end bye so yeah jim carrey's uh, performance absolutely carries that film and it's kind of at the height of his powers as well which helps yeah. I was thinking, I think it was 99 or 98, so he was just coming off, just coming off winning a few Golden Globes. Uh, Liar Liar would have been the year before.
0: Yeah. Those
1: things like The Mask and Ace Ventura. He had. Yeah. Yeah, Ace Ventura, and by The Mask. All of that's still fresh in the memory. And then what also sets it apart is the. the, the fact that the Grinch is almost justified. He's one of those villains that his grievance makes sense mm. when you look at it from his perspective. But it's because of how he goes about it that we think of him as a villain at the start. Yeah. Because he, he's, he hates Christmas because people were terrible to him. People were assholes to the Grinch. So therefore, the Grinch left town. You know, his his reasons for being bad quote-unquote are justified and that's what makes a really good villain.
0: And then yeah it's, it's one of those things where it's like oh that's completely understandable why he ended up being the way that he is because people were just being ridiculously mean and you know, they're they're carrying on with the whole spirit of Christmas when in reality the spirit of Christmas they're not applying that to, to the Grinch. Mm. It's just Yeah, I don't relate to that at all. <laughs> so it's oh and then there's also like Cindy Lou who just being an it's absolute. Adorable, isn't she? She's adorable and, and I can't remember what the dog's called. Oh, yeah, Max. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just those three just make the film everything it is.
1: <laughs> Again, it's one. It is one of those films like Elf that is perfectly imperfect and only yeah. works because of the sentimentality. But also, yeah. also because Jim Carrey really committed to that part. Like in a way that he had to, he had to undergo like. Navy SEAL torture training just to have the makeup on. Yeah. Because he was in the makeup chair for eight hours a day (laughs) shooting that film.
0: It was a lot of work. like A lot of prosthetics and then to do the makeup over that and the hair and the entire suit, everything. He aired that that picture, damn it. Sorry? Yeah, it was
1: just... Work of art. Completely not a work of art. And of course, the design, the design of Whoville and the Who's, that really helps as well, because it's very true to the spirit of Dr. Seuss's work.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it was a very committed adaptation. Um, it's just, just a shame that the wheels fell off the live-action Dr. Seuss train when The Cat in the Hat was released. And... Um, After after that release, that was it for Dr. Seuss's Widow. She said, that's it. No more live-action adaptations.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
1: It's like, okay, well, we tried. That's it. We
0: can't. We can't. We we peaked at the Grinch. We started with the Grinch. We peaked at the Grinch.
1: (laughs) Should have quit while we were ahead. No
0: more attempts to be
1: made. (laughs) Oh. Uh, So moving on, I've got uh, number four. And it's uh, it's one that has been made a few times over. It's um, the nightmare. Oh, sorry, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. That's my fourth pick. And it and it's the um, the nineteen ninety four version of Richard Attenborough that I'm picking.
0: Um, that's my number one. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> all time christmas favorite film i love the the 94 version but i also like like the the 47 version but like just the night the 90s version is just everything i love it so much because it's just everything that christmas is meant to be about with the whole thing of like family and you know supporting each other and just there's that cute warm fuzzy thing of just like mara wilson being a wee little girl and just being like outsmarting a lawyer with a one dollar bill
1: <laughs> I also that, um, that Richard Attenborough is the most inspired casting of Santa Claus we've probably ever had because he, he looks so he
0: is Santa Claus
1: he's, he's also, he also had that really lovable look he, he was just such a lovable looking person that that we, we bought that he was Santa Claus mm. from like, from like the minute we saw him walking with that cane on the sidewalk and the kid looks up to him and um, ask him ask him yeah <laughs> it's so lovely and like it was it also helped that this this was a film from like my childhood I remember that mm. my my grandma my dad's mum really liked She not only liked this one when it came out, but she also really liked the old one. It was Mm -hmm. like her favorite, one of her favorite films. Uh, I keep saying nightmare. It's Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. It was one of her (laughs) favorite. This whole
0: thing of like Nightmare on Elm Street and you know Christmas Miracle on Thirty Fourth. I always get the number wrong. I I, that's part of my dyspraxia where it's just like numbers. What? (laughs) And my brain's just like, no, nothing mathematical. It's like, but it's a title. (laughs) Nope, it's maths out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i
0: yeah, admittedly
1: I've, admittedly i've never seen the forty seven version but only because um i, I hold the 90, the ninety four version so near and dear to my heart that i think if i if i watch the forty seven version and it doesn't even remotely add up to it then it's going to somehow spoil the enjoyment of the ninety four version i i
0: would disagree and i would like to encourage you to watch the 40s version because it's like the 90s is like the superior version because rarely do we ever get a remake that's better than the original true yeah but i i i <laughs> as much as like i i feel very like oh i don't want to admit but like the 90s is just just
1: Jeff's kiss just i mean, yeah it. it, it... It really helped that they had Richard Attenborough as a cast in that film because yeah. I think w- w- without him it wouldn't have been as good. And of course, Mara Wilson was really good as well.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was really nice. Um, I also think I remember the the the, the lawyer who was like the mum's boyfriend.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I think um, I I remember I recognised him, but I can't remember where it was from. But it was quite a quite a strong cast, and obviously it's a well-established story that everyone loved to start with. And it was just giving a story that everyone loved, a really nice cast, and a kind of victory lap, if you like.
0: I mean, yeah. it's the kind of reboot that we we need to aim
1: for, but we kind of don't. <laughs> oh, in some ways, it's, um, it doesn't really work as a remake, because all it did was... Tell the same story just with a fresh cut of paint, whereas I've always thought a a remake or a reboot should tell maybe the same story but in a different way. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what Bradley Cooper did with with star is Born*. That's a that's a kind of remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, that could stand on its own. Whereas I think had um had Miracle been the ninety four version been the first one. Mm. then that would have been amazing. But because we knew it was working off something, I think people kind of overlook it, which is a shame because it's a really good film. So good. So moving on to your number four, then. What have you got? Yeah.
0: Um, my number four, we've already mentioned Home Alone. Right. Um, yeah. Just, Kevin, how can you forget your son? How? And then I'm... it's just. The way that he just outsmarts full grown adults and you know, he's he's not entirely clueless. I and mean, he mean, kind like, of figures out how to like look after himself and like when he goes shopping, he actually thinks to buy a toothbrush and it's like, what how old is he? Like ten or something? I mean, would I have done that at ten? No.
1: <laughs> Let's not forget that he definitely murdered those robbers several times over.
0: I mean, realistically speaking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but they went a bit Looney Tunes with it and they just did not quit, <laughs> shall we but, say.
1: <laughs> the thing about Looney Tunes' nature is that yeah. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> just... it, because it leaned into its wackiness.
0: Yeah, and just the way that Kevin keeps like breaking the fourth wall. Like I forgot how much he breaks the fourth wall and I was just like, I love this film so much. And just McCaula Culkin. Well, and I didn't realise, like, when I rewatched it, I didn't realise his younger brother was in it playing his cousin. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Wait, hang on.
1: You <laughs> also forget like, how good how good um Culkin was as a kid. And like as a child actor, he's probably one of the best Ever, yeah. Yeah. I ever, I think the the top the, the ones I can I remember most fondly are um, Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister yeah. and Haley Joel Osmond as the kid from the Sixth Sense. Yeah.
0: Because
1: so I think child actors are a very they miss a hell of a lot more than they hate the child actors. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like my favorite child actors were like Haley Joel Osmond, um, Macaulay Culkin, Mara Wilson, and Joseph Gordon Levitt. And another double barrel name, Jonathan. He was in Home Improvement. I do think we have a we have
1: another. He also played Simba, Jonathan. Oh yeah, um, I I also Jonathan
0: Taylor Thomas.
1: There we go. We've got another good one at the moment with Finn Wolfhard, who's obviously getting a bit older now, but 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 he's really good. And I think we should give a special mention to the Sprouse twins, who are also pretty good when they were kids. But um, even my, my top pick for best Christmas film has a really annoying child actor in it. That um, don't, but, but I don't let it spoil it for me. I'm determined to not let it spoil the movie. But she is mm-hmm. very annoying. <laughs> as mo- as most child kind of characters are, they're like, they shoot for cuteness and end up with annoying mm. But that's just kids in general, really, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what else do you have to say about Home Alone then?
0: I just love it. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, and but again, with you know the the warm fuzzies of like Kevin going around making friends with the scary neighbor, and you know the whole life advice thing of just like how are you so incredibly young and yet kind of smart? (laughs) And it's just wholesome. And just the way that, you know, that the mum really tries so hard to get home and she's just like, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot you. And then it's just the whole thing of like, his family is awful though. And again, it's that thing of like, I relate because like my uncle said things to me that, no adult should say to a child in just like what the hell were you thinking um, <laughs> like what adult actually turns around and just scolds
1: a child the way that his uncle does I, I just... honestly because because I haven't watched it in so long I've forgotten what happens but I am going to watch it in the next week and um, then it is also worth awful. mentioning the, also, also worth mentioning the, the sequel which is basically just Let's do the same film again, but set it in New York.
0: And it kind of works, though, because, again, it's, it, I mean, Tim Curry.
1: <laughs> there he is again!
0: <laughs> it's, it's just a legend, an absolute legend. And, yeah, it's, it's the thing of, like, it's in New York, but it's on a grander scale. It's a bit more elaborate. And, you know, there's, like, Kevin essentially committing credit card fraud. <clears throat> They also—I I don't um, know what's happening to my voice at the moment, but yeah.
1: They also—it's just step up the booby traps in the sequel as well. The booby traps get even more devastating yeah. <laughs> if that were ever possible. Like, is it the second one? Is it the first? The second one where he drops an iron on his head? Uh, oh. uh the first one where he drops an iron. Yeah, the then, then the second one where he drops him like through the floor or something, and they land yeah. in the yeah, yeah. That that Mad Kinski committed murder several times over. Yeah,
0: I mean, if that was any way realistic, it would have been some form of a horror film.
1: Let let he let's, would have he not, would have killed he, them. Kevin let's would have. Forget that he also set fire to Joe Pesci. He set Joe Pesci on fire at one point. Yep,
0: yep that 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 was. Pretty amazing, to be honest. <laughs> Just, I love that.
1: <laughs> I also love how, in the space of a year, Joe Pesci went from Goodfellas to Home Alone. That's that that's some range. I
0: mean, that's, range.
1: that's range. That's <laughs> range. Yeah. So, so what's next the list? Oh, what's for me? let see. Number three, Die Hard. Yes. Yes. I'm um, gonna go out on Lynn Best action film ever. Probably in terms of having a perfect script, I think Die Hard wins out because it has a it has a great setup. Its pl- plot progression is well paced. Yeah. The, the the villain is charismatic as all hell. He's Charitable hateable but also likable. He's hateable but likable in the same in the same yeah. breath, but also really ruthless as well. Yeah. Um, and, and then it just has a really <laughs> nice. It has a really nice start, sets everything up, and then a really nice end, which yeah. is
0: nice. And just did I mention Alan Rickman?
1: <laughs>
0: I love, it. oh, I it's just, love like it's, it's one thing having Bruce Willis saying, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, and then Alan Rickman saying it later. I was just like, he actually
1: says this. <laughs> I love it. I just think that it, it's much cooler when Alan Rickman says it than when Bruce Willis <gasps> said it.
0: It just it, it just sounds so much better, and yes. But there's also the thing with, like, the, is it Hans? Yeah, Hans, where um Miss Gennaro. <laughs> Anyways, where um, she's like, oh, we've got a pregnant lady here, and, you know, she can't keep sitting on the floor. Can we change her to a different room so she can sit on the couch? And it's just like, no. But I'll get a sofa brought up to her. I'm like, I'm not a complete monster. Like, yes, I'm a homicidal maniac, but I have manners. <laughs> but,
1: but, actually now now you point out reminds me of Harry in in Bruges when he's like trying to get past the hotel owner near the end, but he won't like hit her or shoot her because she's pregnant.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that scene from Deadpool where it's where he's um, where there's like the two women where it's just like, is it sexist if I hit you? Is it sexist if I don't? And he gets attacked, and it's just like oh. manners.
1: <laughs> it's a, there are there are a few like um, movies that are taught in some film schools as like being a perfect sh- screenplay. Mm. Um, Back to the Future is one of them because of the way it's the way it's constructed. It's like a it's a perfect construction of a screenplay. And I think Die Hard is similar. Because yeah. it, has, it has a perfect ramping up of the stakes and then a descent into the success. And also, also some, re- some really good action set pieces. Like, um, for instance, the walking across, across glass. Yeah. The shootout in the abandoned offices. The, the bit where he swings down on that hose as the rooftop explodes. Yeah. <laughs> That bit
0: That's that's just amazing.
1: That's some, some ridiculously great action set pieces and and like a, a coherent story that you can follow and understand easily.
0: But it's yeah, but like with the, the script and the storyline, it's like he's a policeman from what was it, New York going to LA.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's like things are happening. He calls the police and they're just not doing their job. <laughs> they're just like, okay, if you say so, such Like, um, <laughs> no, we, we definitely need police here. There's there's things happening. And then at one point where he says, I'm not ordering a fucking pizza, lady. <laughs> like,
1: oh my God. But the, the, the other thing to love about Die Hard is endlessly quotable. There's It is. There's um, "Welcome to the Party, pal," which is one of my first favourites, and then there's a "Now I Have a Shotgun," ho, 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 <laughs> which is
2: yeah. delivered
1: perfectly. There's obviously "You Pick, motherfucker, which is in every film, which is yeah. in every one of the series. Um, it's it's one of those that it has it has longevity because of of it, how it sticks in public consciousness because of the quotability because of its because of how memorable it is. Yeah. And the
2: casting.
1: And of course, it's, it's perfectly casted. And it's a perfect setup and a great script. Yeah. And that's all you really need to say about it. And yeah. also, the first two sequels are really good. And the last two sequels suck.
0: I haven't watched the sequels yet. I've watched so, the
1: first one. I've not got round to the sequels yet. The, sec- the second one is also set at Christmas. And the third one is not, but is oh. probably my favourite after the first one. Because it has, uh, has Samuel L. Jackson being really cool and Jeremy Irons playing Hans Gruber's brother. So that's, that's nice. Oh, I can see
0: that. That is, oh, the casting. Hello. I can totally see Jeremy Irons being Alan Rickman's brother.
1: So watch up to watch up to Die Hard with a Vengeance and then forget the rest of the series. Then just pretend yeah, it do not exist. Whatever. Yeah. So what's your number three, then? What have you got for number
0: three? Because uh, I've, I've switched things out, haven't I? Because um, you mentioned Miracle of 34th Street, so I'm just like, I'm lost. So I've mentioned The Grinch. I've mentioned Home Alone. Yep. That leaves me with Rise of the Guardians.
1: Oh. See, I've never seen this. I know of it. It's the animated film where there's, like, Jack Frost and the Easter bunnies in it. And yeah, like that. I've never actually seen it. It's Hugh because... Jackman as oh, the yeah. Easter Bunny. <laughs> okay, that's that's brilliant.
0: And he's just like he's got his Australian accent as well, and it's just like it works. It, it's just one of those things where it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> and there are yeah, so you know.
1: there are so few films in which Hugh Jackman can use his Australian accent, and it's a big missed opportunity.
0: <laughs> it is. And it's just, again, it's one of those stories where it's like warm fuzzies because Jack's just being Jack and adorable. And the whole, you know, backstory where he's trying to save his sister and it doesn't go to plan. And now he's just trying to save the world
1: from evil. It, it, it's a very kind of mythical story, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of the story of all the kind of mythical beings, if you like. Yeah. no, I've never actually seen it. It's a DreamWorks film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which like are up and down, shall we say. Mm. They have peaks and troughs. Yeah. Very high peaks and very low troughs.
2: Oh, well, yeah.
1: So, um,. At this kind of halfway point, I'd also like to talk about like films that aren't Christmas films but always get played at Christmas. So mm. the, the one that I think of when I think of that is Mary Poppins. Like, it's not a Christmas film, but it's always played at Christmas. And and to add to that, Mary Poppins Returns, which I like just as much as, as the original. Mm. Um, have, you ever, have you seen Mary Poppins Returns? I have. I thought it was...
0: It's it's a good film, but it's it, it felt it it's. I enjoyed it, but there was there was parts with Emily Blunt's Mary Poppins that didn't quite align with Julie Andrews. I it's think there was a lot of the characters inspired by, and there's just few things where it's just like Julie wouldn't have done that.
1: Julie, there's, there's a lot. There was a lot of um no, he's made in the run-up to release that said um, her, Emily Blunt's Mary Poppins is a lot closer to the book version than Julie Andrews's version. Although, yeah. of course, Julie Andrews is the kind of example there to follow. I think yeah. Emily Blunt did a great job at being Mary Poppins. Yeah. And I, I certainly wouldn't say no to seeing her play the part again. And I certainly Definitely. wouldn't say no to seeing Maulin Marlon Mom, Mom, Miranda, because Maulin please, please just um yes. give give me all the Lin
2: <laughs> <Yes>. um,
1: <and laughs> i would like to co sign this <laughs> uh, and also it had a really nice soundtrack which yeah. is like but it had this kind of soundtrack that captured the spirit of the originals without feeling dated like it yes. did because it because it had elements of Lin Manuel being Lin Manuel it had like a little rap bit in it it felt like it was it was transplanting the formula that made Mary Poppins a wonderful film in the nineteen sixties and put it into the twenty tens and made it still as wonderful. And and then just to put the glass cherry on top of the trifle, Dick Van Dyke came back at the end, which was yeah. chef's Kiss. That. And but that. not only Dick Van Dyke, but Angela Lansbury as the balloon lady little lady. Yeah.
0: Oh, I was I, so happy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Be still my beating gay heart for Angela Lansbury.
0: Right. Just bowed out to the Queen. (laughs) Although Julie Andrews is also the Queen, but it's just like, we have two queens!
1: That part was was originally intended for Julie Andrews, but but she wouldn't be in it because she didn't want to steal Emily Blunt's thunder, which is lovely.
0: Which is so Julie Andrews,
1: though. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's so lovely. Yeah. But, oh, but you can kind of see in the film that that part was supposed to be played by Julie Andrews because of certain lines in it. That It's, it's kind of suggesting that the balloon lady is magical too. Yeah. But um, if you can't get Julie Andrews, Angela Lansbury's not a bad, not a bad substitute. You know. <laughs> I
0: wouldn't say substitute, but like...
1: Equal? Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is where I'm just like, don't, don't make me, don't make me fight.
1: <laughs> then, then there's also, um, the sound of music is always on at Christmas. Yes. Um, Again, Chitty Jimmy Chitty Hallows. Bang Bang. Chitty, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is always on at Christmas.
0: Yeah. Dick Again, Band-
1: Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> there's <don't>, a theme. <laughs> Christmas should just be sponsored by Judy Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. They're just the two yeah. kind of marshals of Christmas. Yeah. And I, I love that in Mary Poppins Returns, it Dick Van Dyke was tap dancing at the age of like 93 or whatever he was at the time of filming. That was wonderful. I I, I really love those kind of nostalgia films that, that don't wallow too much in nostalgia, but have a moment where they can let themselves kind of be fans of their own property in a way. Like it it was 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 clear that, it was clear that Dick Van Dyke's appearance was mainly because the filmmakers wanted to tie it to the original one and they really wanted Dick Van Dyke to come back. Mm. But um, in in a key bit of information, they didn't make him use his Cockney accent, which is probably for the best. Yes. Because Dick Van, Dick, Dick Van Dyke in his prime couldn't do a Cockney accent, so Dick Van Dyke in his 90s, God knows what would have happened.
0: See, growing up, I never realised that was meant to be a British accent. <laughs> I didn't know what accent it was supposed to be, but I knew it wasn't British. And then, you know, Sorry. moving over here and people are just like, oh, my God, his Cockney accent is awful. And I'm just like, that was meant to be Cockney? The fu-
1: what? There's a story <laughs> a, about um, the, the origins of the accent, as it were. His, he had a, a dialect coach that was Irish, whose um, Cockney accent was worse than Dick Van Dyke's, apparently. So that's that, <laughs> why Dick Van Dyke's was so bad.
0: Oh that makes so much
1: sense. <laughs> I can just imagine that like that his dialect coach was just some chancer from Dublin who like answered an ad for a dialect coach and had no experience. He was just like on his way back home from the pub and saw it on like, a lamp post or something. Yeah. But, all right, I'll it's give like, that a try this my all all. chance. <laughs> this is my chance to break into show business. There's a little um, example of my own acting range there with my Irish accent. I am uh, available to hire for um, acting gigs, weddings, holidays, bar mitzvahs, slide into my DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get back to our our list then. and um, I'm going to go with my number two, which is uh, one that I watched and reviewed the week. It's one of my favourite films. It gives me the warm fuzzies every time I watch it. It's a Muppets Christmas Carol.
0: That's my number two.
1: <laughs> don't do I love the Muppets Christmas Carol? Oh, yes. it's so good.
0: And it's so, so close good. to the the um, like the the book source. Sorry, I'm glitching because I'm just like I can't believe we've got like the same film. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like really it's close so- to. The actual book it's like it's un- as far as adaptations go it's it's pretty close to the original and it's just like but with muppets
1: it, it's unbelievable because it's as you say it's a great adaptation and it's a great use of the muppets like yeah. the, the muppets make everything better let's face it yes like, i'm i'm starting a campaign here and now for uh, actually i'll mention that later because it's my number one film but um I, I just want more Muppets in Christmas films. <laughs> is that too much to ask? But again, and I, I mentioned this in my review, that there's a big reason why Muppets Christmas Carol works, and that is because Michael Caine plays it as if he's in a Shakespearean production, and it's <laughs> wonderful.
0: He's just so serious.
1: He would have so you know, but that's like his, talking to a his, Muppet. <laughs> That was his kind of um, his condition for accepting the role was that he would like he wouldn't act as if he was acting with Muppets he would play it as straight as possible like he was but and he is like a really good Ebenezer Scrooge even though he is playing opposite Muppets He's yeah. it is one of the best adaptations of, of the story at to begin with at all and it's probably the best Muppets mm, Is it I'm, I'm always torn because I really love The Muppets, and mm. I don't think there's been a bad Muppets film at mm. all. There's been a few that have been worse than others, but I think in terms of the best, Christmas Carol has to be up there. Um, the 2011 The Muppets, that was really good as well, as was the original The Muppets movie. But it is so, it's such a perfect Christmas film. Like the performances, it gives, you, it gives you the Christmassy feels. The soundtrack is wonderful. I, o- I always go away from the film humming one of the tunes, if yeah. not several tunes, back to back. Um, the performance of the puppets are wonderful. It, there was, there's something so uniquely great about Jim Henson's puppet work. Yeah. Something that like, inhabits all of, the fil- all of the properties under the Jim Henson umbrella. They do puppetry like no other place does puppetry. Like they bring they bring the characters to life in a way that most puppeteers. Like I trained in puppeteering when I when I did Avenue Q years ago with Nigel Plaskett, who there's a in name drop for you, who who um worked with Jim Henson on some Muppets films, and um you could tell like as soon as he picks up a puppet, that puppet was alive, like. Yeah. So he must have just taught a way of handling puppets and making them come to life in a way that few people can replicate.
0: Because, yeah, the, the thing with Jim Henson is that there is that element of believable realism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you know it's not
1: real, but it could. It could be. <clears throat> like, I think Tiny Tim is as effective in this film when he's a little frog... Mm. than it is in any other adaptation. I know that I, I watched it the other week, and I, I must have watched it ten times, if not more, and still that scene after they come back from the church and they're, they're sitting down for Christmas dinner and the Ghost of Christmas presents there with Scrooge and Tiny Tim's talking, it still makes me well up. Yeah. And it's a little frog. It's a frog puppet. It's just
0: fabric and wire, and yet. Yeah. Reduces you to tears.
1: It's it felt, <laughs> and it's the most heartfelt thing ever. Yeah, but I, I think that's in it. That's what's in it. It's, the Muppets are just all heart. They come from the heart. They're a, they come from a squishy place of love and hugs and taking this kind of start. I'm, I'm up talking about it now. It's weird. Stop it's, it. Now. Um, it's, it's literal warm fuzzies from actual warm fuzzies <laughs> this, uh, this story that's been retold and retold can still kind of be given mm. a new lease of life and can still touch your heart even though most of the pe- most of the things in it are made of felt and wire and yeah. like and because they're so muppet like mm. the performance of michael Caine just playing it straight as scrooge is becomes yeah. even more perfect because You don't need someone to be wild and crazy when you're playing opposite the Muppets because they do all the legwork.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even though they kind of don't have actual legs.
1: Yeah, well. (laughs) They they do the legwork without having legs, that's impressive. (laughs) And also, I think there has to be something to be said about how they... And what puppet they gave what part to, like what character they gave which part yeah. to. Because all, all of that was perfect too. Like yeah. making the Marley's twins and giving it to Statler and Waldorf perfect.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, that was
1: yeah. There were <laughs> no other there were no other Muppets that could have done that. And just like making making yeah. um Kermit Bob Bob Cratchit because he's the, the kind of the beating heart of the story, if you like, and Kermit is engrossing and endearing and he's the beating heart of the muppets that makes it work and like all the peripheral characters that get a beaker as the charity collector and another moment that makes your heart swell and it's just like beaker giving scrooge a scarf and it makes you well up and this is beaker a character that just goes me 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 and like him giving someone a scarf can make you well up right (laughs) just how just how well dillied out these parts were to make this work, this silly gang of puppets doing a 200-year-old story, and it's so effective. And I'm genuinely emotional talking about
0: it. (laughs) Right. It is just... Yeah. It's just one of those films where it's like, if anybody else tried to do a puppet version of, you know, Christmas Carol... Because, like, one of my honourable mentions was Mickey's Christmas Carol... And it doesn't hit the same way that the Muppets does as much as I love Disney. Yeah, the Muppets are the superiors here.
1: <laughs> Would that have been Mickey Mouse as Scrooge, or was it Scrooge McDuck as Scrooge? I think it was Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. So that, if it had been Mickey Mouse as Scrooge, then I wouldn't have bought it at all.
0: Yeah, because it's just like Stop he's that. he's too
1: wholesome. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, what do you have as your number two choice before we move on to our top pick? Um yeah that was we already, no, was we already know yours but Yeah, because there
0: was yeah number five was Grinch, um four was Home Alone, three Rise of the Guardians, and two was Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh
1: wow <laughs> Well <Wow. Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> these I kind of 'cause we had like similar ones and we'd mentioned so, you know the same ones yeah. and I was just like ah oh, but that's that's my number, you know, whatever, so it's mine's a mess <laughs> so yeah um and then i'd already mentioned my number one
1: miracle on <laughs> street yeah um so do you have a- anything else to say on the muppet's christmas carol that i haven't already covered i think
0: that's about it actually just no. yeah everything, everything
1: Mac- about christmas carol just the sets as well and and oh yeah this the sets and how they're adapted i've always found it like genius how they adapt sets to the muppets because like um the swamp set in the the muppet movie the original was kind of built on a little scaffolding so jim henson could be underneath the log and mm. like all of this was jim henson's kind of ideas all of it came from his ideas how to build the sets how to make everything work with the puppets was his, his brain and like he came up with all this and mm. Damn.
0: <laughs> absolute genius
1: yeah and while we were talking about it earlier I also really love the puppet of Hoggle in um, Labyrinth but, um, but that's a conversation for another time because I'm going to hit you with my number one pick and uh, yes. This, yes. Is yes. The one, is this is the one I think needs remaking with puppets it's my million with muppets it's my million dollar Hollywood pitch and it's okay. puppets it's a wonderful life. That's my number one pick. I don't know if I've actually seen
0: that. Is is that It's a Wonderful uh, Life.
1: It's the James Stewart one from nineteen forty seven. It's Ooh. the quintessential um Christmas film.
0: Because mm. it, it is one that keeps getting mentioned in work. It's. It is the Just
1: Christmas. Because um, like another one is like what Christmas. Yeah. And when I did, don't have Christmas in like years, but when I did a podcast with one of our lecturers, James Zabrowski, he he named this film as mm-hmm. one of his favorite films of all time, and basically like described it as a perfect film, and I I agree with him. It's mm-hmm. it is for all intents and purposes, it's the template of a Christmas film. It's. Mm-hmm it's dark and it's surprisingly dark and takes a long time to get to the crux of the issue. But basically the story is um, about George Bailey, who's a kind of middle-class American guy, um, runs his late father's savings and loan business. Um, he has a, like a really bad couple of days leading up to Christmas. And like, the, the film revolves around this point in the middle of the film where he, he's on a bridge and he's, he's praying to God because he's thinking about committing suicide and jumping off the bridge. And, like, wow. yeah. And he sent a guardian, a, a guardian angel, Clarence, who is an angel second class because he doesn't have his wings. And basically, the angel shows him what the world would be like if he hadn't been born. Which, is, and again, I'm willing up, I'm getting emotional because it's, it's one of the most, it's an emotional story because it, it shows him all the difference the differences a human makes that they don't realize they make in the course of their life. Like the film starts with a kind of a mini recap of George's life leading up to adulthood. So he saves his brother from drowning at the start. So obviously when he's not born, he's, his brother drowns. So his brother dies and his mother and father are heartbroken. He also stops a, a pharmacist who he worked for putting cyanide in some pills because he, Basically, the pharmacist was told that his his son had died in war, and he, he got so drunk that he put cyanide in these pills. And George stops him from putting cyanide in these pills, so like, so he he stops these pills getting out. And because he wasn't born, those cyanide pills go out and and, and, and like kill a few kids. And this pharmacist goes to prison, and like, and then without him, his children aren't born. His wife becomes like. Uh, uh, maiden, she doesn't get married she works in a library, she's lonely, she's sad and like she's being pursued by someone who George doesn't like and it's, it's basically a story of all of the lives that one human being touches that they don't realise and by the end it's just this massive life affirming scene where he's, he's got his life back, people recognise him again and, he's, and it's Christmas and he's running down the main street and he's He's shouting Merry Christmas to every building and he's waving at people. Merry Christmas to old Savings and loan." Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. And it's one of the most iconic movie scenes in history. It's, it, it's, it's a wonderful film. And I watch it every year and every year it makes me cry. And it's one of my favourite films. I love it so, so much. Oh, I've, I'm going to write... a. a a review of okay, it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a review of it in the next few weeks. And I don't know how I'm going to put into words how much I love this film. I, I don't know how to properly describe my feelings towards it, other than to just put, like, a thousand crying face emojis and just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because cause, cause that's it. Like, it's a, a perfect story of, of a, a person's life. It tells it from, like, him being a kid through all the key events to adulthood, to him having kids, and like the ending is so life affirming and heartwarming, and God, I love it so much.
0: <laughs> I, I just I need to find that because it you sounds to... yeah, it it just sounds like really a very Christmas like warm and fuzzy emotional uplifting just everything you need at this time of year kind of thing
1: and there's also a kind of a nice story behind it too in that um james stewart the leading man who's obviously a, like a hollywood icon of the golden age had he was a, a kind of personal career low when that film came out because he'd just come back from the second world war and of yeah. course he, he would have been suffering from kind of ptsd and what have you and that yeah that part was kind of what brought him back and what he's, I think he'd said a few times it was one of the parts he was most proud of. And you can really see why in the same way that Michael Caine says that he's most proud of Muppet's Christmas Carol, as, as, as mad as that is. It's um, for the career Michael Caine's had, but it's one of those films that you would be kind of, it would be like the pride of your life to be part of it. Cause it's just one of those films that is mm-hmm. perfect. But and, and as I say, my million dollar Hollywood pitch is to remake the film with Muppets.
0: Um, apparently there's going to be like a, not a, a remake remake, but like a, a table read this year of okay. It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Pete Davison is doing. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh. I don't. I, it, it was, it, it, I think the news came out like three weeks
1: ago or something. I've never really seen Pete Davidson in anything to, to know what I think of him. I, think, being I know of him and
0: the things that I know of him, I'm not really impressed, but it's like secondhand information. So it's like, it, it's. I'm trying to remain indifferent and just like, okay, well, whatever. I've not seen anything directly. So none of my business. If I don't see it, it's not that kind of thing, I guess. But I, I don't know how... It's like I'm not. I'm not going to go deep into it. I guess. Yeah, no, I think it would have <laughs> so much drama. So much drama. I don't have the energy to.
1: It would have um a great impact if it was remade with Muppets in the same way that Christmas Carol did. Like you can cast cast a human as George Bailey and like most of the other parts as Muppets, and and it would hit the same way as Christmas Carol. I think.
0: I've... I've not seen it, but already I'm just like, I will coincide this. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yeah. I have to watch the original, but I already want the Muppet version.
1: <laughs> uh, like, I can just imagine Kermit as the guardian angel. Kermit is the guardian angel. And there's like a really like rich like bank manager character that wants to foreclose on the savings and loan. And I'm just trying to think who we... You'd probably have, like, there'd be two and have Statler and Waldorf as that character. Yeah,
0: just have the Waldorfs do it
1: yeah um but honestly words couldn't do justice to how how great it is and um, i i, w- I would be backed up by this on by james Zabrowski if you ever get to talk to him about it because he's um he's a a fan of it too and I, I, I think most most film film critics are a fan of it's a wonderful life to be fair
0: but it's also one of those things of if if like james has said that it's it's a good film then i i'm i'm gonna believe him (laughs) basically so it's it's one of those things of like okay there's certain stamps of approval i'm i'm not gonna waste any more time i'm watching it tonight
1: i think i
0: I think it's one of those things of like you know what you just say it's good i'm buying it
1: (laughs) it says a lot about a film that it's it was made in nineteen forty eight and it still hasn't been remade because nobody dare remake it. I think that I think um,
0: great that, films that have
1: been remade when it really yeah. doesn't remake. So that that does uh, actually say a lot. I think that says more about it than any critic can ever say. Because yeah. in this in this world of remaking everything that could possibly make, make money, yeah. not watching a film because it's already perfect is well. and the, the the thing is it's it's not that like they want it to be forgotten because they re-release it every year like there was a there was a, a 4k re-release this year so yeah isn't there um a color edited version yeah um i would recommend you watch it in black and white though because it, cause it's um that's how it's meant to be seen yeah uh um the but again it it gets a, a re-release on like blu-ray and 4k so like the, the people who are on the pair strings don't want you to forget about it, which says mm. to me that they're not intending to remake it at any point soon. Because if they were, they would stop re-releasing it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if I was... A, there, were se- there were certain films that, as a director you would just never, never want to touch. You would never want to go near a remake of. I think that's one. The Godfather's another... Citizen Kane's probably another... Citizen Kane's even older than It's a Wonderful Life and that hasn't been remade, so... I mean, how would you remake Citizen
0: Kane, though? I mean, it's it's just... It's that kind of a film
1: where it's just like, how could that actually be remade? And I, I think it's very much the same as, as um, It's a Wonderful Life, is that no one wants to remake it because no one can see a way of making it any better. Yeah. And if you... And that's kind of the point of a remake. If, if if you can't see a way of making it better, then there's there's no point in in trying, is that Just, yeah, just so reminding
0: people that it like, exists, the story. But then, if does 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 that need remaking? No, yeah, because
1: like it's, because it's the timeless. It, it yeah. doesn't really matter. It doesn't it doesn't need a fresh coat of paint because the coat of coat coat paint thing. that's already applied it still still looks fresh
0: but then there's some things where it's like even if they do age it still doesn't need any adaption you know like antiques kind of thing yeah it's like yeah this is in mint condition
1: it's an antique but it's in mint condition and that's the thing is it it doesn't age like some of the things like look a a little bit like old now like um i think there's, there's a big there's a big play around him losing like $6,000, which in today's money isn't as much as it would have been back then. But that's really the only way it's aged. And this is the one that I was talking about earlier when there's a really annoying child actor in it. And it's, um, it's one of George Bailey's daughters. Who's, um, I don't know whether you've ever heard this clip before, but it's in like, a lot of Christmas clip shows. It's like, teacher says, whenever, you, whenever a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. It, oh, it's, God, that. Yeah, that that's from It's a Wonderful Life, and that's the, yeah. the the child actress that really annoys me. But she still doesn't take any of the shine off it. <laughs> it would mm. take a, it would take a million annoying child actors to take the shine off it. And there's all there's actually credit where credit's due. Um, a couple of really good child actors in it too, especially the one that plays George Bailey when he's a kid. He's really good. Yeah. Um, but honestly, there's there's no more words I can say. Just, go and watch it watch it tonight and let me know what you think and everyone that's listening watch Good Christmas you'll thank me after you've watched it i promise it's good it's really good yes. so um i think that that kind of brings to a conclusion our chat for today angel unless there's anything else you want to say on miracle on 34th street no i'm i'm pretty
0: much all talked out on on miracle
1: on 34th street right no. so um We've had, a, we've had a, a real blast talking about Christmas films. I, I think this is prob- prob- probably one of my favourite recordings I've done thus far. Mm. Um, me and Angel are going to go on a bit of a hiatus from the podcast uh, after this episode because we've both got a dissertation to write. So that's going to be time consuming. AF, as I think the kids say.
0: Um, I refer to it as assignment hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> assignment hell. <laughs>
0: yes it's just like okay let's go down to the
1: ninth realm of assignment l and oh so that's going to be very time consuming and we thought that ending it on a christmas special if you like would be a nice way to bookmark what has been a kind of very transformative series of the podcast obviously when i started this out i was a kind of uh kind of podcasting nomad i just kind of pulled in anyone i could and to have someone um as a permanent co-host has been a really big help so i I need to thank angel for for their um co-hosting and for their chats over the past kind of six months we've been doing this thanks a lot angel for for being with me
0: oh stuff you're making me cry
1: and um (laughs)
0: And... <laughs> I don't like these warm, fuzzy feelings. Let me leave it to the films.
1: <laughs> and it said on that day, uh,
0: it's, it's and been on on that day.
1: Of... Angel Angel's heart heart did grow three sizes that day.
0: It, it's, it's unbearable. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh my goodness! But it's it's been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot of new film, like new things, and. See new films. It's it's been a
1: pretty great adventure, and um,
0: I, 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 I,
1: I hope that you can join me again when we start back up in April, May time later in twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, that will be really good. So we'll be back in twenty twenty one, um, maybe with a new lick of paint. Maybe we'll just be the same kind of tangential loving podcasters as we have always been. Mm-hmm. But, um, as a as a kind of end to the podcast, I would like to deliver a little Christmas message, as it were. So, think of this as, a, as not a message, not a Christmas message from the Queen, but a message from a Queen.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, this year's been, um, been very hard for everyone. Um, obviously, we've, it's been, we've all been sh- shutting our homes. Um, A lot of people have died, a lot of people have got really sick. Um, And one thing that's kind of kept us all sane in a lot of ways is watching entertainment, watching films, watching TV. Um, At this time, it's more important than ever to kind of be be with each other in whatever form that is. So I hope that uh, whatever you're doing this Christmas you're with people that you love, in whatever form you can be, that you're keeping safe to make sure that people around you stay out of hospital, stay ill, stay alive. Um, And just remember that what helped us through this crisis was not politicians making decisions. It wasn't kind of people who think they're important, but what kept us sane is what we've watched, what we've read, and what we will continue to read and watch. So I'd like you to bear bear in mind over this Christmas period the um, hundreds, if not thousands, of artists who have been out of work for coming up to a year and who will continue to be out of work as the situation kind of comes to its end. Um, It's obviously been a difficult period for cinema. It's been a difficult period for theatre. And um, although we will come through it, we might not come through it looking the same as it once was. And maybe some of that is for the best. And um, I would like to thank everyone that's, everyone that I encountered in a cinema during its brief reopening in the summer for their hospitality, their hard work and their passion for their work. Cause I know that speaking to a few friends of mine who work at a cinema, that they're, they, they really have a passion for doing what they do, for, for bringing for films to people. So remember that when you next go to a cinema, how much of, a, of, a, of, an, of an honor that is, and, and how much you enjoy it, how much these people are working very hard to keep you all safe. And um, as always, at this time of year, there will be a lot of people on their own, through their own choice or otherwise. Um, I would just like to say that my thoughts are with you all. Uh, no one, I'd like to think that nobody in my immediate circle would ever be truly alone at Christmas because most of them have my phone number. And um, I'd like to take this opportunity, as I always, at any point in time, to remind you that Black Lives Matter, that Um, trans lives matter and that you're not alone and most importantly and finally, fuck Donald Trump thank you all and Merry Christmas and we'll see you in 2021 Hello everyone that was the end of of a wonderful recording I I really had fun recording that and just as a kind of addendum to the end of my um, incredibly long and a little bit preachy speed at the end, I just wanted to add in a few um, point pointers at the end with this being the season of giving and all of that I thought it would be nice as we did in kind of the first episode of this series we added some links into um, some Black Lives Matter related charities, I thought um, it would be nice uh, this being Christmas for me to drop in a couple of plugs for some charities that could really do with the help Um, As always around Christmas The first one is the Trussell Trust These are all UK charities by the way Because I'm UK based I'm sorry if you're listening in America But I I don't know many of your charities If you do, uh, please go onto Google And find some similar ones The first one I'd like to mention in the UK Is the Trussell Trust Which is a food bank charity A lot of people will be going without As much food as the rest of us have at Christmas It's particularly... Uh, hard time to be low on funds so if you go and give a look at what the Trustle Fund are doing um, secondly I'd like to give a mention to Mermaids the the trans charity that myself and um, Angel would like to mention um, as uh, Mermaids is the kind of go to trans charity in the UK obviously there will be some you um, might want to donate to in your local area whether there's a, a local fund I understand the want and the need to keep charity a, a more local endeavour so please please do give if you can and finally I would just like to first send out thanks to my first patron on my Patreon page which can be found via my website uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Ian Judson a gentleman and a scholar he sends me films to review he's been keeping me sane these past few months I'd like to give a special shout out to um, the charity he's involved with which is particularly important in my, local, in my former local area I should say as I don't live there anymore but it's the Jack Harrison VC statue campaign based around the former rugby league player played for Hull FC he's a Victoria Cross recipient was uh, sadly lost in the Great War in at the start of the 20th century Ian is uh, highly involved with fundraising to do with the Jack Harrison VC statue campaign so you can go to Facebook and search for Jack Harrison statue sorry, Jack Harrison VC statue campaign and check out all the stuff that they're doing it's um, a very good cause to get a memorial to a real hero of um, a terrible terrible conflict but apart from that I'd just like to echo the sentiments I made in my speech towards the end I wish you all a very happy and healthy Christmas and a prosperous new year Myself and Angel will look forward to talking to you again at some point in 2021. See you soon. Have a good one. Stay safe as well, above all, and keep each other safe. Bye.